It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hi, I'm WBEZ reporter Susie Ahn. It's that time of year in Chicago when we have to admit summer is over. We finally moved on to fall. Or is it more like winter already? Well, one thing is certain, Halloween pop-up stores. If you're like question asker and Halloween fan Rosemary Anguiano, you've seen a number of these once-vacant stores around town lately, all decked out in black and orange decorations. And that got Rosemary thinking. What's the business plan like behind those pop-up Halloween stores? They just seem kind of, you know, mysterious in that way that they just all of a sudden pop up and then they're gone. So what's up with these stores disappearing into thin air? And how can a business make money if it's only open a couple months a year? To answer that, I spoke to Cortland Hickey, general manager for Chicago Costume Company. His mom started the business back in the 70s, and they have two year-round permanent costume stores. Demand is huge around Halloween, like $9 billion in sales nationally huge. And pop-ups are all about getting a piece of that. But that can be tricky. It is a very delicate balance uh, for a small business like ours. The cost of doing business can be quite high uh, here in Chicago, so we have to make very good and thought-out choices about how to do it. One of those choices, pop-ups almost always occupy a vacant storefront, and the leases are temporary, a few months at the most. The price depends on things like the size of the store and what neighborhood it's in. Hickey says he's always scouting for a good deal. So that delicate balance he mentioned... Hickey's going with a short but pricey five-week lease in a prime location downtown on Randolph. It used to be a lens crafter's. He's hoping to cash in on all that foot traffic. Kind of like running a restaurant a little bit. You know, it's busy at lunchtime and right after work. Chicago Costume buys its products from over 70 suppliers. Everything from masks, makeup, costumes, and props. They've got a giant warehouse where they store all the extra stuff. The wonderful thing about Halloween costumes and costume merchandise is that uh, it's not produce, so it does not uh, spoil on the shelves necessarily. So uh, if they're not going to be Superman this year, they might want to be Superman next year. While Halloween is Chicago Costume's big moneymaker, Hickey says they can sell some of the wigs and masks at their permanent stores. Dressing up in costume, or cosplay as it's called now, has become a, a major hobby for a lot of people. So it's not socially confined just to Halloween. So they- Hickey's had to reduce the number of pop-ups Chicago Costume opens. In the past, they've had as many as eight, but this year, they only have one. Not only do they face competition from online retailers, but some bigger businesses like Party City and Spencer's Gifts have gotten into the Halloween pop-up game. There's been consolidation, as we've seen in many lines of the retail industry. That's Steve Schwartz, vice president of JLL, a commercial real estate service. Coincidentally, his family ran a few pop-up stores when he was a kid, and he took full advantage. One year, I put together a uh, AstroTurf costume with golf balls on it, somewhat reminiscent to David Byrne, and wore it out, but I think the reference was lost on many. Yeah, I don't get it either. Anyway, Schwartz says Halloween stores were actually the original pop-ups, and now other businesses are using and developing it further. He says online retailers are testing out products and building their brand. The Halloween stores may have invented it, uh, but some of these brands are perfecting it. So after the ghosts and goblins move out, watch for a different kind of pop-up to move in. Maybe a pop-up restaurant, a temporary home goods store, or even a traveling art exhibit. Support for Curious City comes from the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Susie Ahn. 
Next time on Curious City, a lightning round of questions about the history of Chicago neighborhoods, in which we try to stump a Chicago historian who can sometimes sound like a walking encyclopedia. By the 1890s, you had the electric streetcars coming out. By the way, Ravenswood was brought into the city in 1889. It was a great annexation. We did this in order to attract the World's Fair of 1893. Hmm. Woo! That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Show New York that we were catching up with them and we were going to pass them. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.